Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're gonna love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with a few of our own recommendations. My name is John Boehm, here with Ali Herbert-Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, great to see you. Hi, John. Great to be here. This week, we're talking about uh, two new shows, both of them based on true stories, both of them based on topics that I don't know a lot about. Ali, what are we discussing? I can't believe you're not a basketball or pirate specialist, John. You disappoint me so much. Um, Today, we are talking about the hot, 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 so hot show that I think any sports fan is waiting for, the long-awaited winning time, the story of the LA Lakers and their rise to fame and sporting dynasty through the 80s and a lot of it being the story of Magic Johnson, but we'll get to that. And then Our Flag Means Death, which is loosely based on on true life, I think, is it not? True-ish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, um, let's let's head to the court with uh, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. I don't care who you are. If you're a human being with two eyes and a heart, this game, this industry makes you feel good. What industry? Sweat socks? No. Show business. Hey, Dr. Buss. I'm going to buy the Lakers. Ah, no kidding. Welcome to sunny Los Angeles. Great for tans. Tell them to win a championship one of these days. Shit for fans. Defining an era on and off the court, the LA Lakers of the 1980s are the focus of the new HBO drama series, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Beginning with the purchase of the team by Jerry Buss in 1979 and his first draft pick of Magic Johnson that year, the series follows the team as it transformed basketball from a sport into an entertainment empire. Ali, you have a professional background in sports. How similar was this to your sporting career? I did work with the AFL in the early 2000s, uh, mid to, yeah, mid 2000s. So I wasn't there in the heyday of the 80s entertainment and basketball. So, but I think what we have seen and what I think I'm going to find really interesting about this, I've only watched one episode. So I say that because I don't know where quite where the series is going. But sport is such big business now and it's really, you know, professional, um, systemized big business. But this really looks at the kind of the beginning of, of turning sport into big entertainment businesses and the kind of mega franchises and strengths of sporting codes that we kind of just accept as being that way now. But this is almost explaining how the business and the entertainment business especially merged with sport back in the 80s. Yeah, it's really interesting. Obviously now sport is this like multi-billion dollar thing where everyone in the world is chasing rights and you can't buy, you're buying tickets for thousands of dollars. But it's kind of interesting to see this starting in 1979 with this sort of entrepreneurial guy, Jerry Boss, buying the Lakers and stadium and stuff and not being able to sell tickets, not knowing if anyone is going to turn up to games and seeing them transform it into really, really big business. This series is based on a book and the book's title is actually Showtime. And that was because this era of the Lakers is referred to as the like Showtime Lakers because they turned basketball from this like sleepy side sport into like an event that you went to and there was dancers and bands and it was like it celebrities on the sideline yeah yeah and they they used to start the game and say it's showtime didn't they 
Yeah. Yeah. Obviously the Lakers of this era brought us incredible players, which we'll get into in a second. But I found what's interesting is that I think part of the sort of like dynasty and mythology of all this is that it is the LA Lakers. So celebrities went to the games, like it, it, like Hollywood was intertwined with the birth of basketball into what it is today. But yeah, so as we mentioned, the show starts in 1979 with the purchase of the Lakers and the sort of other big story that's happening at the same time in, in the first episode is basically convincing a, a young basketball prodigy, uh, Irvin Johnson or Magic Johnson, to um, sign with the Lakers for what at the time was extraordinary amounts of money. Yeah, he was like the number one draft pick getting the biggest number in the league, wasn't he? I think I think it's $750,000, which in 1979, like who knows how many millions of dollars that is today. Yeah. The reason I'm really excited about this series, and I think it's going to be very popular and appeal to a lot of people, is it's set in a sports world. It's got a business element, a comedic element, a little bit of what we're seeing really popular in television at the moment, this nostalgia, looking back on major times that we still remember in our, you know, depending on how old you are, but you can kind of still look back to the 80s and 90s and remember some of this or grow up knowing about these characters. So, and there's a bit of controversy, you know, the NBA, from what I understand, are not completely on board with this. Some of the the real life characters like Magic Johnson aren't kind of officially collaborating on this on this series. So I think we can expect to hear lots of water cooler conversation as what gets played out in the show versus, you know, kind of other people's opinions is probably going to be quite hotly debated over the 10-week the run. As we're recording this, uh, um, a very interesting article came out today from The Hollywood Reporter, and it gives us sort of a background into the production and some of the behind the scenes dramas. So as we've mentioned, this is adapted from a book, um, a book that it sounds like, you know, people have been trying to adapt many times. So it's taken taken a while to get to our screens. But what's very interesting, and like you said, will be interesting to see play out is the NBA have not participated at all in this and none of the people who are portrayed have participated at all in this. So it's based on an incredibly well-researched like five or 600 page book about this time, but for better or worse, nobody who was there has participated, which I guess means they've got some sort of arm's length creative license, but also will be very interesting to see what the people who are still around during that time uh, think of the show when it does come out. And I understand Magic Johnson's got a four-part documentary coming out with Apple TV right in the middle of this show going out, which I wonder will be his chance to kind of put his side of the story on the record. He's also very involved in media ventures. and Yeah, he's got um, TV channels and cinemas. and Yeah, yeah so it kind of seems uh, odd that he's not involved. Maybe he wanted to produce it or make it. Maybe that's why he isn't. It's going to be really interesting to see people's responses. Besides the the Magic Johnson doco series that's coming out, the Lakers also have sort of an official documentary series coming out later this year as well. So there's going to be lots of Lakers content for you, but I would argue that the most interesting of those Lakers series is going to be winning time. I did see that, I think it was Esquire said, it's the greatest trailer of all time, which I, I think I agree with. But if you've not seen the trailer, absolutely check it out. It does a really good job of setting the tone of this, which we, if we haven't made clear, could not be like, more deeply 80s if you tried yeah like I said the, to someone Boogie Nights meets Jerry Maguire <laughs> yes and I like I think with sort of like as much drugs and sex as Boogie Nights as well there's like there's a lot of off the court there's a lot of back office stories in the few episodes I've seen I'm not sure there's like actually that much basketball happening there's a lot of deal making a lot of negotiating yeah the first episode that we've been able to screen and preview really is the story of Jerry Bus, the guy who comes in and buys he's in the process of buying the LA Lakers 
during the draft pick of 1979. So And not necessarily being able to afford <laughs> to buy them. <laughs> no, he's like a real kind of entrepreneur, but maybe with not the Wall Street financial backing. He's kind of a bit more like a nightclub entrepreneur, isn't he? He's got good yeah. ideas. He kind of sees opportunities, but he's... Just because he'll find that $14 million he needs somewhere. And, and he, he gets does. friends and he's yeah, ex-wives and like he kind of sends the hat around, doesn't he, <laughs> to get the money together in the end. But yeah. he has a vision and he understands the potential and, yeah, really brings a fresh new set to it. He has a long-running, very close relationship with um, Magic Johnson and how that kind of comes out through the series I think will be very interesting to see as well. And he had a really pivotal part in getting him to sign. So that's kind of the main basketball part for the first episode that we've seen at least, which is really how did Magic get to this club? And then I suppose what we're going to see is how did Jerry as the boss and Johnson as the star player turn it into what became, you know, the so successful LA Lakers. John R. Cousins at KO Streaming, which is um, also part of our, our streaming family and group. The guys there who show the NBA and the NBL and lots of different basketball from around the world, they tell us that the LA Lakers is the most popular basketball team in Australia from an NBA perspective. So as you said, there's a lot of celebrities and, and entertainment and sport has always really collided with the LA Lakers, hasn't it? So I think they'll be beyond fans of just great television and you know business and sports themed television and nostalgic television, just the, the actual fans of the game, which should just be rushing to the series, one would imagine. I feel like we've, we've buried a few leads. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Um, like, uh, <laughs> like the who's million making it and the, and the star. Like, yeah. the, like the list of stars. Good luck. Yeah. We'll be here yeah. all day. You tell us yeah. who stars in this show. <laughs> uh, well, first, it's from Adam McKay. Uh, so. And who's Adam McKay? He, does anyone know who Adam McKay is? Has he done anything good before? Why does that matter, John? Uh, he made um, a movie about climate change for Netflix. Um, oh, but, what was that but, called? <laughs> I don't know. Um, do, you my, do you think my tone and my pun is coming across on it? I'm not sure. Please run us through why it's so exciting that this guy is making this show. <laughs> yes. So Adam McKay uh, will be best known to binge audiences for Succession, but has a long history as a writer and director producer of things like Don't Look Up and Vice and any number of other things. Uh, uh, Anchorman. <laughs> yep. So it's got an excellent uh, pedigree, but on screen as well, it's just a, a who's who. We've got John C. Riley playing Jerry Buss, Sally Field playing his mother. Some of the staff at the Lakers include Adrian Brody and Jason Clark and uh, Gabby Hoffman. I love uh, Gabby Hoffman. Yeah, she's excellent. Transparent. She's, she's brilliant. She's yeah. excellent in this as having to put up with a, a lot of um, misogyny and, and day drinking from the men around her, um, <laughs> which she does excellently. But there's a couple of very fresh faces, some of whom didn't even have IMDb profiles before this. What? Um, yeah. Quincy Isaiah, who plays Magic Johnson, has never acted before in his life. From what we've seen, they've found the Magic Johnson. And also Dr. Solomon Hughes portrays um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's a doctor because he's, um, again, his background is not really in acting. It is in academia. So they have found some very fresh faces to play these iconic men, but uh, they really in inhabit the characters. And obviously it's so difficult to cast such iconic real life people. <laughs> so yeah, they've done excellently. It's a massive cast. And an Australian Jason Clark plays Jerry West, who I found out in the first episode was the player whose shape and likeness was used to create the iconic NBA logo yeah. um, but he played the most finals and never won one or had some awful record yeah. um, and he plays the somewhat angry coach of the Lakers. Yes. So yeah, massive cast, great pedigree behind the scenes based on an incredibly well-researched book. So yeah, we've got 10 weeks of this. We're dropping one, one episode a week and it all starts on March 7th. 
This is so exciting because it's obviously the time of the year where a lot of the winter codes and the footies back. As an AFL house, the TV, really, there's a lot of jostling between KO and Binge um, on the weekend. So we're so excited to have the footies back, but then to have a cool sports show coming in at the same time, the Formula One's still pumping. I feel like there'll be a lot of happy households um, just to luxuriate and all these this great content offering over the next couple of weeks. So drops every Monday for 10 weeks. We can expect it all the way through to what? What does that take us through to May? Yeah, it takes us through to mid-May. Big 10 weeks. Can't wait. Dad, I want to work for you. All right, let's have an interview. Summer draft. Right, the Lakers get top pick. Right, so who do I pick? It's easy. The show's stopping. Local phenom. Naturally gifted. Urban magic. Do not use that nickname in this house. Mama, she say magic the devil's work. Devil can't hoop like me, though. Do they even have churches in Los Angeles? Los Angeles Lakers select Magic Johnson. Us together, Magic and Kareem. Oh, uh, Kareem and Magic. Every team's got fans. We'll have celebrities. Our girls, they won't cheer. They'll dance. Loosely based on the true story of the gentleman pirate, Our Flag Means Death is a new period comedy from HBO Max about the aristocratic Steve Bonnet, played by Reese Darby, who abandons his comfort and wealth for a life on the high seas and an unlikely alliance with Blackbeard, brilliantly portrayed by Taika Waititi. Blackbeard, Captain Kidd, the gentleman pirate. Well, the first two are like very, very talented pirates. But the last one is the scariest of them all. Instead of killing with weapons, he kills with kindness. Oh, right. So you're the gentleman pirate then. Well sussed. This is really, for me, the sort of next natural progression of the Taika Waititi cinematic universe in that if you are a fan of what we do in The Shadows or Reservation Dogs or Wellington Paranormal or Jojo Rabbit, you kind of already know what you're getting, I think. Even if you've not heard of this show, I think if you know his other work and you like his other work, then you are going to love this. It isn't really interesting, true story. I had to go and listen to a different podcast just about this Steve Bonnet guy because I wanted to know what of it was real and sort of shockingly a lot of it is real and that is really where a lot of the sort of great comedy comes from because there's this steed bonnet guy who was this land-owning aristocratic relatively wealthy guy who lived in Barbados had a wife and kids and then one day was just like I'm gonna buy a pirate ship and just like sail the high seas this is like I'm going out to get some milk and never coming back <laughs> but yeah. pirate style <laughs> really? it's like it, it feels a little like it feels like a bit like this rich guy's had a midlife crisis and instead of buying whatever like a Porsche no was, a Por- or yeah whatever the Porsche of the 1800s was this guy was like I'm gonna like go and be a pirate the other really funny thing is as soon as you say this you you realize it but um obviously pirates weren't paid like they didn't have salaries but Steed gave all his like pirate shipmen salaries so he like employed all these pirates to be on the ship with him which is just like hilarious because what so he's if, like legitimizing his cartel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was, you know, he was all about workers' rights. But um, of what I didn't realize, I listened to this other podcast, and they were like, because all these pirates were getting paid, there was no motivation to actually like pirate. Because obviously the point of being a pirate is to go and like pillage and plunder and and you then split the bounty of, of whatever you steal. But if you're paying all these people like a salaried wage, then what's their motivation? So it's like almost part workplace comedy like part 
swashbuckling pirate series. But yeah, it's got a, like an excellent tone. It's legitimately funny. Like this is a proper like capital C comedy. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've only seen three of the 10 episodes, but yeah, I'm loving what I see. And I think our audiences will too. It's really funny. We've got quite a mixed family history, but we've got a whole lot of convicts on one side of the family. And then we've got another part of the family that, yeah, were from Barbados and the Bahamas in this area and left England and Scotland to kind of go there. So I think this is real. I was really just taken by the fact that this true story of how this guy, what's motivated him to leave that world. So my kind of way in on this was, yeah, I was kind of captivated by the boat and the pirate ship, but then the historical part of of the story and how they deal with that so well with comedy. It's, yeah, the first few episodes we've seen are very funny. <laughs> you, if, if, you, if you like this type, it's very like what we do in the shadows, but instead of vampires, they're pirates, pirates. maybe. Yeah. yeah. Rhys Darby is like perfectly cast. He, he does this excellently. I like, I love everything Rhys Darby does because he's just kind of himself in it, but he's perfectly cast as this uh, sort of incompetent, wealthy pirate. Taika Gentleman Waititi. pirate, they call Gentleman him, pirate, yeah. yeah. Of course, we love him from... Flight of the Concords. Flight of the, just a little show called Flight of the Concords, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now streaming on Binge. Taika Waititi, of course, plays um, Blackbeard, who in real life, Steed and his uh, pirate ship have this sort of interesting encounter with. They kind of become friends. He's like the badass yeah. pirate and they kind the, of become friends. The actual pirate as opposed <laughs> yes. to this like grown man who's just like pretending to be a pirate. And the guy who plays Hodor in Game of Thrones is also in it. And uh, there's a couple of guest stars which will be very familiar to our audiences, including uh, Leslie Jones and uh, Fred Armisen make, make some appearances. So it's uh, it's definitely uh, um, like a comedian's comedian comedy show with lots of familiar faces. And because life's not fun enough to celebrate this show, we're so excited about it at Binge. Um, Reese is actually flying flying out to Sydney to help us launch this. And we have hired an awesome big tall ship that we're setting sail across Sydney Harbour. I think it might be the world's first onboard pirate ship screening premiere. I don't know. We're going to show the first episode as we sail around under the sail of a big tall ship, like the one we could imagine might have been a pirate ship. So what fun. Can't wait. HMAS binge. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so Our Flag Means Death starts March 3rd. There are 10 half-hour episodes and it's going to go out in uh, some chunks. And those chunks are three Is that episodes. like official programming language? Yes, chunks, yes. chunks, okay, chunks. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, the chunks it's going out in are three, three, two, two. So every week you'll have a couple of new apps to um, binge on. And uh, yeah, at the end of four weeks, all 10 episodes will be available of Our Flag Meets Death. It's funny, John, we often talk about the way things get dropped and some people like to binge them all at once and some people like to do two parts. And I do like when you get a movie style binge and it spreads the joy out over a few weeks, but it kind of tells you to consume responsibly maybe. <laughs> yeah. And then in, in between you can watch a little Flight of the Concords or a little Winning Time or yeah. something else. Awesome. The rumour is you upended your entire comfortable life. Oh become a pirate. I got bad news for you, genital pirate. John, we're at the part of the podcast where we talk about dinner party recommendations because by nature of what we do, watching television for a living and looking working at Binge, we often get hit up by friends and colleagues and people at the coffee shop. What is good to watch on Binge and what do we really recommend? So this is um, a chance to talk about maybe not necessarily the newest show um, or the thing that's just dropped, but with the many thousands and thousands of hours and hundreds and hundreds of things on the platform, please let us in on what you recommend this week we get across. 
Well, this is something that I watched originally as it aired back in 2014, but very recently gave a proper binge to and sped through it in a week and a bit. And just because, you know, it is the season, I am, of course, talking about looking. I love my friends, but they just, they drive me crazy sometimes. When was the last time you heard me say that I'm an artist? I don't know if either of us are very good at being who we think we are. I'm gonna have to try a little harder. Tell me more about the guy on Muni. He's really sweet, he's genuine. But I don't wanna be like one of those crazies who goes on two drunken dates. Oh, I'm sorry. And runs the city hall. <laughs> You're a funny guy. Well, hi. We're friends. So this isn't a date. God forbid you actually love somebody who's not half your age who could actually care about you. So for those who are not familiar, this is a 2014 HBO comedy drama. It was kind of back in the day when HBO had a lot of these different stage of life shows. So things like Girls, Togetherness, Divorce, like it was that like stage of life, different part of the country, what's your thing? And the thing with Looking was a group of friends in San Francisco who were gay. It was probably inaccurately called like the gay version of Girls, just because, you know, Girls was obviously very popular at the time. And, you know, it's not dissimilar in that it's got that like indie movie vibe and it is about a group of sort of friends finding themselves. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's excellent. I think it's a really sort of different portrayal of like the life of young gay men. It stars Jonathan Groff, who has now been in everything, including Hamilton and any number of series. But it starts off, he's sort of the the lead character, um, and it starts off with him as sort of a 29-year-old reluctantly gay dude finding his way in life in San Francisco with his mates. And because I always relate to things that are almost explicitly about me, when I first watched (laughs) this show, I was a 20 nine-year-old reluctantly gay dude trying to find his way in the world. Definitely found the show very relatable. Like I said, I rewatched it recently. It holds up really well. It um, did only last two seasons. So there's only about 18 episodes, but HBO very, very kindly gave them a movie at the end mm. uh, to, to wrap things up. So it's not the longest binge in the world, but it's sort of a nice uh, middle binge that has a has a pretty conclusive ending. So It's Mardi Gras moment in Sydney, isn't it? So good timing and, and I love the personal story there and how it's relevant we have a lot of these you know sort of under the radar shows about you know different different people and different lifestyles and looking's one of my faves yeah awesome recommendation really awesome recommendation and i think the uh reference to girls yeah really helps place it for those that haven't haven't seen it in terms of the um sort of the creative people behind it um Andrew Haig who went on to do the Northwater was Mm. kind of um the guy behind it so obviously Northwater is a very different show um has more in common with our flag means death if you liked Northwater um maybe also check out Looking. Awesome recommendation this week John thank you and the both the series and the film are of course now streaming on Binge. You told me once that you were this close to falling in love with me. I was in love with you back then. I'm in love with you now, except I was afraid of that feeling. I'm not afraid anymore. What happens if it doesn't work out, hmm? What do we do then? If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but at least we tried. So, Ali, what are we watching this week? I know you were just sharing something that was really relevant to you. I don't know if 
I'm about to do what's in this show. <laughs> what happens in this show? Let, let's um, see. <laughs> let's see. Um, I'm talking about a lifestyle and reality show this week called Escape to the Chateau. Dick and I made the, the promise to one another to bring this place back to life. And for me, you know, I'm taking like everything that I think is eye candy um, and bringing it back to life. Stuff that's not attractive and very practical. And he's bringing that back to life. And together, I can feel a bit of a, a pulse beating. It needed to have something, you know, with a heart. Escape to the Chateau is a British um, series from Channel 4 and it follows this really cool couple, uh, Dick and Angel, who leave their life in the UK and move um, at the time when they first do this, they're very young family. They've got like a, a newborn baby or six-month-old child and a young son um, and they move to France because they buy a chateau and it's, so I don't think it's quite in the Loire Valley but it's in that kind of part of, of France, that upper part of the French countryside and it's the most gorgeous grand kind of 19th century chateau but it's a little bit like these things if you look too closely you see the cracks and there's a lot of work to do most people might kind of think it's a dream and then get into the reality and go actually I don't want to do this the reason I love this series is it doesn't get bogged down in like the block style drama like oh the door's breaking or the plumber hasn't arrived they're really practical warm kind people and you just get to watch them do their life happily with some hiccups and some stuff and some stress, but with this lovely pace um, and escapism kind of approach to life in the French countryside. And I just think when some things are, you know, you kind of get competition reality or it's a little bit aggressive, but just really, they're two really nice people to watch. The husband, I think he's Northern Irish kind of colonel in the army and he's like an engineer in training but like knows how to fix the cars and creates an air conditioning system that like works with all the old French pipes and like he just gets on with it like he doesn't like huff and puff or get angry he's just this really like can do almost old-fashioned person that just knew how to fix things you know how now we're like how do I do this and google it he just this guy just goes off and makes stuff happen and then his wife's super creative really lovely blend and she basically to make money and to be able to afford to be living in France and leaving their jobs and stuff in England they host weddings and like cooking weekends and she's always kind of developing bits on the land as well like she adds glamping and all these extra bits to kind of keep the tourists coming but it's just really nice escapist tv it's just it goes at a really nice pace if you feel like you can't travel far or want to escape life uh, you can escape to the chateau have you it's, watched um, it, John? <laughs> I have. I have, actually. There's lots of it. It's been running for a couple seasons now. I think um, for people who, like, don't watch a lot of lifestyle content, like, this is like a juggernaut. This is like a really big show, especially in the UK. Like, millions and millions of people watch this show. Um, but I would say it's almost like a... It's like a very big Grand Designs, you know. And grand, ongoing. Yeah. Like just a never-ending Grand Designs because, you know, you're not just building one house or tearing down one floor or something. It's this, like, 85-room chateau that just you know, they barely can fix one bathroom a season because it's just so big and complicated and they've got, like, the kids are growing up and they've got pets and they're trying to run a business on the side. So it's like a combination of, of a couple of things. But ultimately, I guess, you know, season 15 or whatever, whenever it ends, you know, they'll probably have finished the chateau. And, and can you know, finally retire and, like, yeah. just enjoy it. Yeah, and it, just to your point there, it's so you never get this sense of like, we've bought this place. It's too stressful. We shouldn't have done it. I don't think they ever once say that they regret it. They, they do talk about how much work it is. And you see, because he's also this, you know, amazing engineer and knows how to fix everything, but he's also a really good cook, um, you know, in the French way and 
does all the food for the weddings and, and, he, and his wife, Angel, kind of does the styling and the flowers and makes it all happen and runs the business. And they just seem so joyfully happy in taking the sea change or the, you know, the tree change decision that they have. It doesn't hover in the negative. It just goes, you know, make a go of, of a new life. And they really just throw themselves in it. And it's just a really nice tone. I think if you have had a tough week and you just want something soft and lovely. When I was at Channel 9, we bought this as well. It's really, like you said, it's really popular. Um, I think we've got five or six seasons on on binge. So if you love it, you can really get stuck into it. And there's, yeah, it continues to get made. So more episodes coming all the time. And I think, look, a lot of people know binge for the big, you know, we often talk about HBO and BBC and these just amazing FX and like some of the biggest you know, shows in the world, but we have so much content in the lifestyle and reality and house and property, the categories and stuff as well. So I think it's just, if you like this, you'll then, the algorithms will start kicking in and you'll see um, some of the other great stuff that we've got, like Love It or Listed and Grand Designs UK and yeah, a whole lot of other stuff in this, in this genre, if that's your thing. I've got the floor to sort out and, and I want a window seat here. Duke doesn't know, I'm going to add it to his list of things to do. But I think that would be quite nice to, you know, to have a window seat here because it's a room that you can just sit out and reflect. He'll say yes. Thanks so much for joining us for another week of Skip Intro. This week we discussed winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty, our flag means death, and our dinner party recommendations were looking and escape to the chateau. All of these are streaming on Binge, or depending when you're listening, very soon to be streaming on Binge. And of course you can find Binge on your favourite devices. I'm John Boehm, Ali, once again, great to chat. And uh, we will be back next week with more recommendations. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. See you next week. Hold up. 